I love my kids, I love my work, and, and we're, we're not, not apologizing, apologizing for it. Welcome to Whole Motherhood, a podcast for moms who love their kids and their work. I'm Hillary Barnett. And I'm Amanda Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Whole Motherhood Podcast. I have my friend and former coworker of mine, Lauren Russell, with me today. Lauren is a pre-licensed nationally certified counselor. She's been working in the mental health field for 12 years now. And she is currently working in private practice at her uh, practice called Deep Roots Counseling. And she works with people in all different life stages and focuses on trauma, attachment, and life transitions. And she's just an amazing human. She's a Nashvilleian and a mama herself. And I'm just so happy to have you today, Lauren. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. I love how our story kind of reconnected. Um, I know. We used to work together before I had my first daughter. And mm-hmm. so I think... Lauren's like last memory of me before we met again was like nine months pregnant waddling around, you know, mm-hmm. the workspace. <laughs> and well, I think, I think you came to work one time and with her in a carrier and I was like, there she goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I remember I brought her that day. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. how time has flown by and it's I know. Like, now you have, and she, your daughter is five. She's six and a half. Six yeah. First, so first grade. A little behind my first yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Time has flown by. Mm-hmm. We're now we've moved on to other things in life, but we ran into each other and it was like, what are you doing now? And I was, and when you told me, I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should have yeah. a conversation or 20. Yes. On the yeah. podcast. So yeah. thank you so much for being here. Um, yes. I am so excited to talk about this topic because Everyone that I've talked to lately, moms that I've interviewed or just asked for feedback, it's like this keeps coming up, keeps coming up, and it's mental health. Yeah. And I know that's been a topic out in the the universe for a while, but I think when it Mm -hmm. comes to mothering, it's still kind of catching up. Yeah. And so I find that very disheartening. So So I'd love to just further that conversation today and like get into the weeds with you a little bit and, yeah. and talk about, you know, what this means. And, and I'd love to hear a little bit of your story. I know you have a really awesome story of the, of mothering and pursuing your, your degree and your work. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to just start there, give us a little background. That would be sure. great. Sure. Um, well, let's see. You know, as far as work goes, yeah, I've been working in the mental health field in various roles for about 12 years, um, give or take. Uh, I started off in a kind of a, well, a teaching role where I would work with kids who had behavioral issues and needed tutoring, and um, we would do, use a, utilize a lot of creative and artistic expression. And so then that, that transformed into when I moved to Nashville, um, I worked for a community mental health agency doing 
outreach services and then um, you know working with various populations who had you know different types of mental health issues worked in alcohol and drug treatment facilities and then eventually I wound up in private practice about two and a half years ago um, and that was yeah so there are a couple of reasons for that one was because that's always been my end goal um, regarding being a therapist and the other is that yeah, being a parent is pretty demanding um, <laughs> and working, you know, it, it, you know, most of your standard 40 hour a week jobs, that's a tough job to juggle along with being a parent. And for a lot of the time I've been, you know, what I call a solo parent. And then for the past, you know, about a, the past year, I've been a single parent. Um, and so that, that creates a whole set of juggling uh, right there that I was like, I need more flexibility. I need to just take a leap figure out how this is going to work because what, what I was doing, working in a prison, juggling private practice, that wasn't working. Right. And so I was like, okay, we got to try the thing that can, that could possibly work. So it was scary. Sure. But I made the leap and so far just putting my heart and faith into something and doing a lot of hard work. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of work, but mm -hmm. it's every second of it has been worth it. So that's kind of the gist of that background there. I love that you did that. I think that's one of the hardest things to do and it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. When you know, it's like you just know deep down that it's time and, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, you're right. It's not easy and it's terrifying. Yeah. But you do it. You're like, whoa, that was worth it. Totally worth it. And so now you have a thriving private practice Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where our paths crossed and we've got to catch up a little bit and I just loved your heart for, you know, parents and moms and just being that you are one and you get it and you understand how much work, how much personal work it takes to be a healthy yeah. mother. Yeah. <laughs> a healthy person in general. It's a healthy person. And then you add that role into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know beforehand we were just talking about how parenting kind of forces you into that position of, mm -hmm. oh, like I'd love to hear kind of just what you were saying about about that. I love what you said about that. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I've been in the mental health world for 12 years. I've had an interest in it. There, you know, my family, there's other people who work in that field in it as well, but it, and, and I've always had an interest in trauma and attachment work, you know, as through my own discoveries and my stories through my own relationship histories, but it wasn't until I became a mom that I was thrust into this role of, of caring this, this other little person that's completely and hundred percent, 110% dependent on you. And so, you know, whereas if you have a rough day at your, your eight to five job, you can come home and be like, Whoa, man, I'm just going to veg out. I can't, you know, I just kind of need a, a break right now. That doesn't happen when you're a parent. It yeah. just does. You're there on all the time and you have to face your stuff you are pushed up against your stuff and there there is not you can't look away at it i mean you can but it has really you know dire drastic effects on everyone around you including yourself mm -hmm. um so that was that reignited an interest in me and like okay how do we look at this piece of mental health trauma and attachment especially with I mean, new parents. And I say new moms because that's my most, you know, I relate most to that position because that's the role I'm in, but it can happen to any, you know, parent or primary care caregiver, totally. um, whatever your label is. So, 
<clears throat> so I, I, you know, it's, it's when you have, are going through a hard time, your, your kid is kind of a direct barometer of that nice. because if your needs are not, if your own needs aren't met, you're going to have a hard time meeting their needs and you're going to hear it <laughs> in a very literal way. Nice. Um, and so it's, it's like this little barometer telling you, sorry, I'm just my dog, um, telling you, okay, somebody somewhere is tapped out. Mm, and uh, that's so good. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a, it's a chance you can either face it and, and deal with it, which can be scary at times because there's a lot of unpredictable unknowns there. Like, what am I going to see if I uncover this? What am I going to, what am I going to learn about myself? What am I, what's the work I'm going to have to do to change this thing? to get myself healthier? How is this going to affect my relationships? You know, what is this going to do? Um, I will say it's not all been easy. There have been some tough decisions to be made, but in the long run, I've come out much stronger and clearer because of it. And the world around me has responded um, just because of how I show up in it. And you know, I could go into many reasons for why that is, you know, I do have an, an amazing support system and a safety net there that has allowed me to have some, some benefits. But overall, I think it's been the work I've put in for myself and yeah, kind of focusing on my mental health. I love that so much. And, and just the concept, I, I just listened through, um, the conscious parenting, Dr. Shafali. Yes. I kind of stumbled across it, but it was, some of it, and, and you know, like with anything, some of it, I was like, ah, I don't know, but, but sure, yeah. the gist of it, I was like, I, this makes so much sense to me. This con, this idea that, you know, you have to work on yourself and the motherhood, you know, the myth of the myth of motherhood is like, you know, you're the, you have to be perfect. And, and I mean, maybe that's not the case as much anymore. I feel like there's a lot out there that's like, oh, this is so hard, but it's like the, the standard is still there. It's like, you right. have to have be perfect and have perfect children you know right we're, we're still experiencing like the reverberations and the wavelength the the reverberating waves of that from prior generations like it's still there oh, even yeah. if the current conversation is trying to shift that absolutely and that i think it almost makes that the work that we're trying to do a million times harder because <laughs> yes you know sometimes previous generations are just not gonna understand what we're even trying to do. It's like, what are yeah. you even doing? Like, this makes no yeah. sense. One yeah. of the um, friends I was talking to, the, the term that she uses, like we're mothering from thin air. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have a lot, the examples, there's not a lot of mothers that we're looking to going, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. Like mm -hmm. it's more of peers, peers that yes. are grabbing onto and going, yes, that's, that's, you're taking tiny little things around yes. and that works and that, and we're piecemealing everything, you know? Yes. But, um, so before we get into more specifics, like with attachment and trauma and all that, I'd love to just like for you to give a definition of like, what is mental health? Like from, yeah. from your standpoint, like what it, is it, what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it is kind of a catch all term and it is thrown around a lot because I do think there is a national conversation happening around mental health as you have a lot of people trying to address stigma, change the way that we talk about it and treat it, normalize it. But I said, I think in general for mental health, it's think about it in terms of like dental health or, or your general health. It's like, where are you, like how much 
is it is your mental state affecting your daily life are you able to take care of yourself and those around you are you able to get your needs met um how are you experiencing pain are you experiencing like any kind of hindrance to your daily care because of maybe some sensitivity or some pain um so it's it's more like i would i would say sure there are some probably some accepted standards of what mental health is hence why we have diagnoses and the whole dsm but at the same i i take things from an individual approach and i, I look at it from a harm reduction approach meaning what is healthy to you is going to be different than what's healthy to me and so we're looking more at just like what's your quality of life you know are you able to do the things you want to do like what are what are your sets of expectations for yourself what do you want mm -hmm. and then being able to kind of parse through and separate those from maybe what cultural or familial or other systemic expectations are so it's really coming down to like you know that that's the, i think probably one of the biggest differences between like say physical health um, modality and a mental health modality is that with physical health we have much more um, you know concrete standards of what is healthy it's either you have a cavity or not it's either your bone is broken or not with right. mental health there is some of that but then there's some there's some grayer area there as well and so I take it's and it's an individual approach it's how satisfied are you with life you know so I think that's kind of yeah. a general I love that just to have that general knowledge of what it even means and you, you're right it's a very it is can feel kind of like a blanket statement and kind of a concept that feels very nebulous you know like what does this even yeah. mean but I think like you said it's an individual question that every parent or every person has to ask themselves and I think as a mother and just in general like you said separating from cultural expectations mm -hmm. it's so easy to just sweep that under the rug I think mm -hmm. for anyone but especially mm -hmm. for for a parent, for someone who's giving care to anyone else. Yeah. And also still inside a family system that they're n navigating of their own family of origin. Yeah. And, you know, trying to create their, their, their family, you know, <laughs> kind of maybe recreate systems or recreate patterns or attachments. And that is, I, I feel like mother, early motherhood, like you said, it's not, I don't want to say it's traumatic in the sense it's bad, but it, it explodes like your entire life in your face. It does. Your identity shifts, everything around you shifts and you have to restructure it somehow. And you're not, it's time doesn't slow down for that. You just have to do it. <laughs> right. And, and I think maybe the crux of it is, do you choose to do the work or do you not? Yeah. Yeah. Does that, does that resonate? It does. And I, it's, that's something I've looked at a lot too, you know, because as a therapist in private practice, it is a lot of, once someone comes into my office, it is about like, okay, they're choosing to make this step. Having had the experience of working in more systemic organizations that are more community health based or social service based, you realize choice looks different for someone in one income bracket to another income bracket. Totally. And whereas some of us have a, have a choice to do this type of work, other people, may not experience that same access to choice. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think that's really important to keep in mind too, and why I, I think the conversation needs to continue about, you know, social mental health versus individual mental health. Yes. And how do we create systems that elevate choice for other people um, that need it just as much as the rest of us. But yeah. coming back to, you know, if, if we're looking at it from the position of people that have that choice, have that option,
yeah, it's like, do you do it or not? I mean, there were several times I remember being like, I'm just trying to get breakfast today. Like, yes. how, how yes. am I going to work on this, this like really bad behavior? Not, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to use bad, but this behavior in me that shows up that's having a negative effect on my mental state or the stability of my relationship. Like, how the heck am I going to do that when I'm just trying to keep my baby alive and make sure I stay hydrated? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels like one more thing on the list to add. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but, but you realize that it's almost like the foundation and if the foundation is cracking yeah then it's not going to matter what else you do because mm -hmm. it's all going to fall apart eventually right because right. if you fall apart as we know as mothers everything else falls apart <laughs> yeah yeah it does and and granted it's not like you know sometimes it can feel catastrophic and it, it's not always the end of the world but it does it it, it creates a lot more work to try to figure out how to get things back together once that started to happen. Yes. So, and, and it's like that idea can create a lot of pressure. I know it created a lot of pressure in me. You know, I, I think one of the issues for especially new moms and one, if they're wanting to do this is like finding access to getting this kind of care, which is one reason like I offer, well, there it's called doxy sessions, but it's essentially a HIPAA compliant Skype. And so I offer those. So that because trying to leave the house with a kid under one years old, much less any age. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? I mean, yeah, yeah. you're paying for childcare and, and that's been, and you talk about access to choice. I mean, and I think even more privileged populations that would be considered totally. privileged still can't even afford totally therapy. Yes. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really expensive and, and for, and understandably so, but yeah you know, the time, the time restraints, getting childcare, paying for an hour mm -hmm. session. I mean, I know I've used Talkspace in the past just for that reason, because yeah. it's accessible. It's still yeah. fairly expensive, but it's like, I can do this whenever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the world is changing and that's where we're at. And it's like, though we have to, if, if mental health is really something that we value, we've got to create systems of access for anyone. Yes. So that, that's a start. It's not perfect, but it's a start. It but I'm um, kind of circling back around to, you know, just the idea of mental health for new moms. You know, what I think it's a balance between both creating a perspective of, you know what, it's okay if you don't have all your stuff together. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you don't get it perfect. And also, where can you do the work? Where do you, where can you find yourself doing the work? And how can it, how can we look at tools that are doable for you in your stage of life? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. That are actually, that you can execute on a regular, like, yeah. I know some things for me, is like, I just doing a silent sit or like, yeah, a journaling moment. And then again, I know, again, my kids are in school. So even that sounds like a vacation when you have a newborn <laughs> yeah. or two, two children under five or yeah. Even the little things, but I think in that, those survival seasons, it's almost just like, what can you do to take tiny little sips to yes. keep moving? Like, uh, like just make a 10 minute, just something yeah. just because I think as a new mom, sometimes you feel guilty. I mean, you feel guilty as a mom of any stage. I know. Your state, yeah. Your level of guilt skyrockets. It skyrockets. <laughs> but when they're so tiny and they're so needy, yeah. you yeah. Think, I can't physically even be apart from them for five seconds or I'm going to just, they're going to probably stop breathing. Like that's where I would, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I would love to, well, I know we, we didn't talk about this before, but like the whole concept of just the, 
I know I had PPD, I had PPA. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've talked to a lot of moms about. Is that yeah. something that you see a lot of in your practice? And like, what are some of the tools that you've seen that have been helpful for something like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, first off, I'll say I dealt with both after, during pregnancy and after I had my daughter, most of mine showed up as the anxiety, postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and the depression side showed up more as anger and it's, it doesn't show up often as your typical, but what you stereotypically think of as depression, you may be crying a lot, but I think for some, and I, I've read this, that it shows up as anger. Cause you're still like operating in this mode. If I got it, I have to keep this little kid, this little person alive. Um, the other, um, to answer that other question, I actually don't see a lot of that in practice, but I don't think that's because there's not an issue. I think it's, it's really because, I mean, I, I, I think back to that first year when I had my daughter and just, I, I couldn't even wrap my mind around how do I schedule a weekly thing yeah, <laughs> and healing. Yeah, thinking about pumping and and making sure they have food and sit, like it was just not feasible. So it's not that I don't think there's a need for that. In fact, I think there's a greater need than maybe we realize. Um, but it's just it's it's hard. I think it's hard for new moms, especially to get I'm like how to find like how do you even find that? And because then you have to go online and you have to search for somebody and see if that's something that they do and if they're knowledgeable. And it's like. The, your resources, like you said, are so slim at the time that yeah. it's hard. So that's kind of part of what I'm trying to reimagine. I think I know other clinicians are too, is like how to, you know, increase access and ease of access to, yeah. to from them to us and, and, and just create like a more streamlined process. And that's um, really serious because it can lead to, you know, very sometimes really dangerous outcomes for totally, yeah. you know, moms and kids. And I yeah. know I totally resonate with the anger. I, that was where I was living. And I, and I think as women, a lot of times we don't feel like we have permission, you know, to be angry yeah. and we don't know where it's coming from, you know, and it wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't angry at anyone. I wasn't angry at my daughter. I was just right. just coming out, you know, and yeah. so I was just trying to let it out in, in environments where that she wouldn't see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was yeah. like Hulk, you know, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's either alone or at the person closest to us, which is often our partner. And so, yeah. and then we're like, I don't know how to even talk about it. It's just this feeling and I can't let it out at this tiny needy person because it's not their fault. And then it just, it, it leaks out. It's kind of, you know, I describe it a lot anger to a lot of my clients that I work with. It's like a volcano. It's, it's, you know, if, if there's no vents, it is going to be explosive period. Like there's no way around it. And yeah. if you don't have those vents, then we have to make some. Yeah. So which, which kind of leads to your, your question about like treatment for that. And I, I would say it's like, depending on the stage and the story, cause I always get someone's story before, you know, deciding how to walk through treatment because your story is going to inform so much, you know, whether or not there's trauma there. Um, just there's so many factors there, but overall, I think, um, the first is going to be, it's, well, I, I use a combination, but for this situation, it would be, you know, acceptance and commitment therapy, meaning it's like, can we just look at the, like how, what, what part of this can you look at with a sense of reality? Um, mm-hmm. but that's also accessed through 
connection. Like I, you know, in order to get someone to think with that part of their mind, their, their emotional brain has to be calmed. Cause have you ever tried to talk rationally to a, a tantruming toddler? It doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work for adults either. Like when we're emotionally charged and activated, rational thought is not going to work. In fact, it can exacerbate things. So first getting to a place where you feel safe and calm. And so that's always my first goal with someone coming in who's like emotionally activated. It's like connecting, finding that safe, calm place so that they feel connected to, seen, and heard. And then at that point, we can start to talk through like, okay, well, what are the thoughts that are coming up? You know, how can we look at this from a reality-based perspective? And can you just say, you know, all right, this is where it is this is freaking hard. Like this is so hard. And usually once people can get to that place then they can really step deeper into the, the emotional longings, the needs, the wants, the desires that are truly there, that once we learn to identify those, they can actually start to create action to get those needs met. Mm. So that's, it's kind of the short of that. So, so good. And I think a lot of times, you know, we just kind of shove it you know, it's like you keep shoving it down and you wait mm-hmm. until you think, okay, tomorrow will be better or, or next month will be a better time. And then, like you said, those vents aren't open. Yeah. So things can get really ugly, you know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm so, I love, I love what you're saying about just choosing to create space and make people feel safe. I did mm-hmm. not know that about the rational mind. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 that's kind of the big thing about trauma is that be the way that trauma works. And this, this shows up so much in new moms is that, or new parents, but new moms is that, you know, you're, you're hypersensitive to triggers there. You know, who knows what in your story says what, and we may not understand all of that in the beginning, but it can be the slightest thing of like getting too hungry, getting too tired you know, hearing the, the, la- the sound of your baby's cry, like just feeling touched out, like it just even being touched. Like there's so many different things that on the surface seem, you know, it's like, well, this is just normal human stuff. But because of how it's encoded into our trauma brain, which is that emotional brain, which is survival brain, which is also what we call lizard brain, which it reacts to threats, even if they're perceived threats, even if they're not real threats. It's like a, it's like a broken smoke detector or something. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's steam from a hot dish on the stove or an actual fire, it's going to start going off. Mm, And so, yeah. And so the first step to a lot of this is learning how to kind of reset that mechanism. It's like, okay, let's, let's first calm it. Let's get the, let's turn the alarm off. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the surroundings and really start to gather, you know, the information about what's happening. The other piece, and this is kind of a stem that, you know, uh, of trauma is that then you, then you have to create a new narrative around the old messages that you've inhabited. Like, okay, being hungry equals, you know, I'm being neglected means that no one's going to come to my aid for the next 24 hours. (laughs) And we're adults. We're in control of our bodies. Now we're in control of our needs, but our emotional brain doesn't care about timelines. It's still reacting like we're that two-year-old kid whose needs are unmet. Mm. So then we flip our lids. Like we literally, our prefrontal cortex goes offline and we're just reacting. Wow. Yeah. 
So it's, it's a, it's a process and it's amazing when you see someone start to be able to work through that and unlock some of those unresolved traumas. Um, some of the work I do, it's very somatic body based, meaning you just kind of, you almost like take your body through the movements that were never finished in a way, or you learn how to re-experience safe sensations. Um, and then there's others, like I'm sure EMDR is a very popular one right now. And, and a lot, there's a lot of different ways it's happening. So um, before I get off into too many rabbit trails, does that kind of oh, answer? I love that you transitioned to trauma. Cause I think that's, you know, that's like kind of the unspoken elephant in the room with all of this is, yeah. you know, trauma and attachment. And I know I've, I've done EMDR personally multiple times. And then I just finished reading the, the Peter Levine's, um, waking the tiger. Oh yes. And the somatic experience. I've never done it in a therapeutic setting, but just reading the books and I'll, I'll link to them in the show notes with regards to trauma. Cause I think there's two separate conversations. It's processing our own trauma mm-hmm. and then kind of educating ourselves around what trauma actually is. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that word gets thrown around a lot and it, it's, it makes me very uncomfortable because it's like, Oh, I, I don't, I, Oh, I traumatized her. I didn't buy her that doll. Mm, so, right. Right. Like, like that's not that's not trauma. Like yeah. let's talk about what trauma is and what trauma isn't. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's a good that's a really good topic because I think kind of to reflect back on something I was saying earlier, it's trauma is individual. You know, it, it yeah. really is how based on your whole body makeup, your story, all these different factors can determine whether an event or a set of events is traumatic to you or not. Um, You know, you know, we like the original conversation around PTSD was around, you know, war veterans. And so, you know, you could have a soldier come back from the same battlefield and one of them has trauma and the other one doesn't. And trauma meaning, you know, a continued hypervigilance, a continued set of symptoms that we've learned to identify as traumatic reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and it, it is a term that is thrown around a lot. You know, we have a lot of things like called trigger warnings that you, sh- you see show up everywhere. And on one hand, I think it's really, really great that we're having that conversation nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so good because trauma has been misunderstood for so long. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, you do end up kind of with these like, I don't know what this is or isn't. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of regarding well, from that place of fear going, I don't want to traumatize my child. Yeah. Yeah. But also not really understanding maybe what your traumas were at the same time. So you're almost kind of walking in a, walking in a fit, a fog, you know, yes. going, I just don't want to do anything wrong. Yeah. And not recognizing that they're like trauma is inevitable. Yeah. Trauma, you know? like, trauma is inevitable. And when, and by that it's like, and let's, I want to maybe want to shift away from a word of like, you know, getting hurt is inevitable. Right. Like getting, getting hurt happens, getting hurt or feeling hurt. I'll say it's not necessarily a bad thing or a black and white thing, meaning it can teach us things, you know, the, the sensation of, right? Yes. Resilience. Right. The sensation of pain creates resilience. It's when there's repeated intentional pains. It's when there's repeated like like intensely traumatic pains, you know, you have, you know, like physical, sexual abuse, um, emotional abuse, things that have drastic impacts on our growth patterns, on our our mental health growth patterns. Um, Those are the things that we look at for as regarding trauma. So for some, 
some people it may look whatever happened to them may look different but the effect is that they have these sustained disruptions in their growth the sustained disruption or distortions of how they respond and react to normal and I, i'm using quotes to say normal as in like an average spectrum of like conflict in relationships or life um like when the reaction or response is way overblown from like the activating event like we can look at that and like huh i wonder if there's a trauma response happening here but yeah generally getting upset like not buying your your kid something and they get really upset and have a an hour-long tantrum that you know that's not going to be traumatic what's traumatic is if that kid say that kid has that reaction and you know they've got some big emotions happening you know what and i want to be very careful in saying this because no parent is perfect there have been plenty of times i have not responded to my own child in ways that are probably to her benefit but there there's some fortunately you don't have to be 100 percent to be okay i mean we can be good enough and it's just fine but it's like say repeatedly if that that kid has those emotions and then the caregiver is like god you're such an idiot why are you so stupid like just like just deal with this just you're so stupid and so what a kid's brain interprets from that moment is that when i when i feel things that means i'm stupid because we as adults may look at that and be like oh my gosh it's ridiculous i cut her sandwich wrong why is she crying for an hour it doesn't that's not what it's about they're just they're purely emotional beings what they need is boundaries with behavior but acceptance and validation of their emotions right and so it can be scary and especially and this happens especially without when people don't understand their own trauma is if they experience those words or those kinds of wounds as kids where hearing that their emotions were bad or ugly or unwanted then we unintentionally kind of react the same way to our kids in in a couple different ways and um one is that we will overcompensate and almost like in a, in a way like yes. be overly yes. sensitive to the emotions and not want to ever see them upset or on the other hand we will repeat the very same things that happened to us of like oh my gosh i you know i still believe my emotions are bad so therefore i'm going to continue to reflect that on, on those kids on my kid mm-hmm. um so and good. so yeah now if we realize we're doing those things it doesn't you know i think it's important don't get caught up in shame because it's it's the good thing is like how you said earlier there's resilience and when you become aware of these things and start actively working towards it and focus on the repair of interactions these types of things you know it's 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 not an automatic traumatizing experience so something i read it was almost like trauma is like that feeling of stuckness where like or yes like for example my daughter had to get stitches and he in that book he talked a lot about medical procedures and how sometimes they, you can't help that kind of thing it, it, like yes. they have to get yes. stitches like mm-hmm. and so that kind of stuff depending on the child again can can be traumatic or maybe not but they had to put her in that paddle where they yeah, arms yeah. That, when i think about it that's kind of my my way of looking at it is it's not like that something bad happened is that something bad happened and your brain got stuck there yes like, and it can't move past it it can't yes it can't move past it to a place of like resilience and like, like you said, stasis where you're like, okay, we're okay again now, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if there's repeated, like you said, emotional complex, yeah, you know, things. And I think, and I don't know if this is just me, but it's like, I think there's a lot of conversation of like, when you're talking about being perfect, anything you do wrong, you can say, oh, well, that's traumatic. Well, that kind of 
it's easy to kind of downplay that, what that really is, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like by downplaying it, you're, you're making it like this mystical thing that could happen or could not. And then mm -hmm. you don't have any agency, you know, over right. it. Yeah. And so because you don't understand your own personal history and you don't, so it's like, I think, like you said, just getting a language and understanding yeah. where your, your own person, because everything you're doing with your kids coming out of your own experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that whole thing of like the overcompensation and the running away, it's, or the, like the extremes. Yes. It's like the further you try to run from it, it's almost like sometimes you know, there are times when you say, oh, I'm doing that. I didn't even realize I was doing that. It's like, yeah. that's, you know, and not that, not that you're just trying to do everything the opposite, but it just depends on your childhood. Like how are you, totally. how you're building it. And so I love that idea of, of being aware of, of what your traumas are and working through them so that you can be more present and, and mm -hmm. give your child. I know for me personally, like I was, I was a lot more anxious with like, if somebody fell down or yeah. Kids hurt themselves or something. And it was like, Oh, and my husband's like, you have to stop doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. help it. That's my way. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I, what I know. And like, that's what I'm used to. And yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't help, you know, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. you know what you need to do. Yeah. You can't always fix it until you revisit your own stuff. And that's yeah. where the work comes in. Yep. Yep. And that's kind of what I was referring to about how, when you're a parent, you're butt up against your own stuff constantly because you're kind of always in reaction mode, you know, yeah. because of how quickly it moves and how limited your resources are, you're constantly finding yourself just reacting in these ways. And then you get to this point where you're like, this is actually not working. You know, this is actually maybe enabling some behavior in them that I was trying to prevent. <laughs> so how now do I shift this? Yeah. And that means we have to go into our own. It's like, why am I reacting this way? Why is this such a tough thing for me to shift if I see that it's not working why is it so disturbing or painful for me to experience watching them cry or mm. confronting them and, and setting a limit you know just various things and so then that is what we have to come back to and recognize like we have a story that's informing us you know and it's like how much of that story do we want to keep and what do we want to say this no longer serves me I need to I want to change this and it does, you know, it, it, it is hard work. It's not easy, but the, the benefits, you know, of it outweigh any kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say outweigh. It's like, it is worth it. It is completely yeah. worth it to step through those difficult moments and do the work. Um, I think just a, a couple points about that is I don't do trauma work with people who don't have adequate support because it opens up a lot of tenderness and vulnerability. And so I would say for most people I see in private practice, they do have that support because, you know, they're, they're just, that's kind of the, would allow someone to be able to access that type of care. But like in other areas I've worked in, you know, it's like, I would be hesitant about stepping into deep trauma work. You need to have, you know, supportive community. I don't care whether that comes from, you know, your group of friends, your, your church, your moon circle, your whatever it is, your AA group, you need a supportive group of people who you can, at least one person you can call on, at least one person who can bear witness to this with you. Mm. Um, and, a, you know, or at least a community, you know, at least a community, if, not, if you're not fully ready to open up, at least a community of support. And just 
that's just kind of a beginning of that um, as far as resources go. So I would say that for sure. I know when I was going through that process, I was just exhausted a lot. Yeah. It was very yeah. exhausting and I didn't expect that. And I, I think like my therapist mentioned that you might be kind of tired. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> you don't say. I can't function. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. really mad at everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like it's almost like all the things that maybe were triggering you that you didn't recognize are then now kind of brought up in your, my poor mm -hmm. husband. I'm like, you just, just don't, just don't say a thing. Just don't talk for like 24 mm -hmm. hours. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, just don't fix anything. Stop it. Yeah. Just, yeah, mm -hmm. stay, stay at a safe distance. It'll be fine, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But I am, I feel like there's this shift in generally in our generation of just one, removing the stigma. Yeah. That this is something that only people do who have, or who are crazy or, you know, are, you know, like it's not, it's not a negative thing. I feel like everybody I know is like, oh, my therapist, like it's normal now to. Right. I want that to be normalized. <laughs> you have a therapist, a mentor, a somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something. I mean, even if it's like, I mean, I would say therapist before life coach, please. Like, cause I, I've done coaching. But heck yeah. Life coach can work for some people. That's where they're yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not doing like a lot of, like, if there's not a lot of deep trauma there and you're like, I'm doing all right. I just need to like, you know, take a few, yeah. fine, but something like a mentor, a therapist, a coach, a friend, like somebody that you can be honest with and vulnerable and not play games with. Yeah. Yes. Not yeah. Pretend with. Mm -hmm. And you know that, and I think with, especially with social media, it's like the whole, like, let's be vulnerable and authentic. And it's like that, that is still not every, that's not the whole story. It doesn't yep. matter how vulnerable and authentic you are. It just will never be the whole story. So find your mm -hmm. people, find your five or less people. I call mm -hmm. it, I call it the top of my friend mountain. Yes. Yeah. Top mm -hmm. of my friend mountain. And like my people who are like, like you say, support system. Yeah. Like professionals. Like, you know, when you start a business, you get an attorney, you get an accountant. Yeah. If you are living life, you need a therapist. <laughs> you need, yeah. uh, you know, or you yeah. get a doctor, you get a dentist. Like it, this should just all be common sense at this point, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's important too, because we've kind of shifted away. Like we used to have a culture or societies that were structured around people that took, had those roles, you know, and you had your wise women, your wise men, you had, you know, your leaders, your wise leaders in these different communities. And I, I'm sure I know that exists in some pockets, but I think in general it hasn't. There's been so many, I mean, we could go into all just like the, the paradigm shifts that have happened that have changed that, but also because we're understanding mental health in a different way. You know, it isn't just this like mystical place, but it's like, it's, but it's also, there's a lot that we don't know concretely because we're just starting to, to get to the point where we can understand those more things, those things more concretely. But there is the, the medical clinical side of things that is incredibly helpful and validating for many people to know. It's like, yeah. oh my God, okay, I'm not alone. Okay, there's something I can do about this. Okay, this isn't as bad as my brain is thinking it to be. Yes. So, and yeah. And can I just say for the record, if you need medication, honey, take your medication. Uh-huh. Yeah. Take it yeah. all day gone day and don't even worry about it. Shake it yeah. around out and go outside and shake it around and, and shout it from the rooftops. Like this is, this is what I got. Yeah. There yeah. is no shame in taking meds. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. 
And this and is that's, I'm a total hippie, crunchy mama. Like I've been on my meds. I take them when I need to. It does the yeah. job. Totally. No, I agree. I love my plants and my herbs and my essential oils. And I also, yes. I really love antibiotics and my antidepressants. So yeah. Yeah. Same. preach it. I mean, it's a both and set scenario. It does not mm -hmm. have to be either or. I like, same as you, I got all the crunchiness. I got the oils. I got the this, I got the that. Yeah. Okay. We can still do the things that we need to do to function. Yeah. And I don't hear that enough, especially like in church spaces. And it makes me so <laughs> angry. I'm like, yeah. no, you are yeah. not, you, you can pray. Prayer will help you. It is very important. And, and yeah. it's an aspect of your mental health. If you are like clinically depressed, no, no. Like that's yeah. not going to cut it. So yeah. take, take a call and call your, call a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I'll just, anyway, that's my soapbox. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's good. I know we're probably coming on, up on time, but I just wanted to say too, you know, that's one, I take a very whole body, whole person approach to this. And I have no problem telling someone like, look, talk therapy, somatic therapy, the stuff we do is great. And also I will not hesitate to refer you to a psychiatric nurse practitioner or, you know, a physician or, you know, a massage therapist or acupuncturist. If I think like, look, let's, let's look at this whole thing. We can't just isolate these different parts of ourselves and think, Oh, we fixed this one thing. And we're all going to, no, look at your entire system. Look at all of these things. And, and, you know, there's there, you know, my, I would love to see one day where, you know, most practices take on that. And like, we have, you know, more streamlined referral networks as far as that is concerned because we've be kind awesome. of separated into specialization and I think we kind of need to bring some cohesiveness back there. But until then, you know, I'll just have, you know, it's like, no, let's look at it. I'll be, you know, very straightforward with people. It's like, go ask this person, get an opinion because this is outside the scope of what I do. Well, I can do what I do really well. But then yeah. there are things that other people have that I think could benefit you for sure. Absolutely. So it all goes together. You're, it, we are one organism. The organism wants to heal. I think yeah. that, that, that inner motivation to heal. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do we unburden ourselves and how do we work through these things to allow things to work as they should, you know? And, yeah. and, and not that that's like the, the all end all. I'm just saying like that, like when you can look at it from an integrated approach, I know I've had a lot more emotional healing sometimes, even just from going to the chiropractor and getting things totally. adjusted, like energy work and things. Whereas he's like, Oh, and I'm like, Oh, that just, that just that released something that yeah. uh -huh. because you know, emotions do live in your, in your cells and that's Absolutely. science. So <laughs> that'll be a whole other episode. But anyway, I know I was going to say, okay. And there's a whole place I could go down with that about why the act of being pregnant and having a person on your body and in your body can also bring up so much of this stuff because of trauma and our stories lives in our body. So that's, that's, that's a whole thing wrong. too. That is a whole thing. And then we can talk about how, like birth, let's let's talk yes. about that can be traumatic, and no, let's talk about that. Okay, so yeah. Lauren, Lauren, you're gonna we're gonna do a monthly a monthly recurring episode. <laughs> I'm good with that. I love talking about all this. It's great. There's just so much that hasn't yeah. to me like just hasn't not been covered, and so yeah. I am so thankful to you for your time, your expertise, your willingness to just share all your knowledge with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This has been really good and I would love to come back and talk more. I think there's so much that can be shared and learned. I love it. Okay. Before we go, two things. Yes. Where can everyone find you online, which I will put in the show notes, but tell us. Okay. So deeprootscounseling.com. Okay. 
Um, I also have a Facebook page, Deep Roots Counseling, uh, Lauren Russell. Um, and then I think, you know, you, my email address is in there, which is also, it's Lauren Russell Counseling, all one word, at gmail.com. And you also, like you said, you do those virtual sessions so that if people are in town and they need to do that, that's an option? Totally. As long as you're a citizen of Tennessee um, or resident of Tennessee, then I can work with you. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. And then um, with regards to you, what is mm -hmm. one thing you're loving right now? Oh, one thing I'm loving right now. Um, one thing I'm loving is, ooh, at this moment... Probably the fact that it rained today. <laughs> You're such a four. <laughs> I know, I know, aren't I? <laughs> it's like I was yeah. driving home from my office and the leaves were falling and the, the skies were gray. And I was like, all right, it's still 90 degrees outside, but we're getting there. We're getting to fall. Slowly yeah. but surely, we will eventually get like one week of fall and we'll all be yes. so happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, welcome to Tennessee, right? Yes, I've never known it to be different, so. I know, I know. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lauren. Yes, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Whole Motherhood Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to leave a review in iTunes. You can find us many places online, including our website, wholemotherhood.co, and you can download this podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also email us at hillary at wholemotherhood.co or amanda at wholemotherhood.co. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Whole Motherhood. If you'd like a weekly dose of Whole Motherhood in your inbox, including curated links and updates, you can subscribe to our newsletter.